Growth Igniters Radio, Episode 29, Dispelling Myths About Employee Engagement. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of growth. On the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Thanks, Chris. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And right across from me is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, Scott. Hi, Pam. I am so happy to be here with you again today. And if this is your first time listening out there, the purpose of Growth Igniters Radio is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas for leaders to take themselves and their companies to their next level of success. So Pam, what's up for today? Dispelling some of the myths about employee engagement and, of course, talking about what it really means for employees to be engaged. Okay. And this is one of the points that we touched on briefly during our conversation called What You Can Do to Accelerate Major Transformation in Episode 14. Absolutely. But there's so much to the issue of employee engagement that it really deserves its own episode. And that's why we invited writer and speaker John Gasperi to be our guest today. John is the author of seven books, including his latest, Otherwise Engaged, How Leaders Can Get a Firmer Grip on Employee Engagement and Other Key Intangibles. In addition to being a prolific writer, John frequently speaks on issues of employee engagement. You can find out much more about John's background under the resources section on the episode 29 page at growthignitersradio.com. John, welcome to Growth Igniters Radio. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to have a few minutes to talk with you. Well, we're delighted you could join us. So, Tell us a bit about how you became so passionate about leadership, and why did you write that book, Otherwise Engaged? <laughs> well, it's funny. Uh, my background is as an engineer, uh, so I never thought I would have spent most of my career in what really are human resource-related uh, topics and domains. But it began really in the early to mid-1980s when the total quality management movement was a big deal in American business. And I was a marketing manager for a company that made test equipment. So the topic of quality and TQM was very near and dear to our hearts. And so I wanted to learn more about the TQM movement. And in talking to customers and suppliers and even competitors at the time, I kept hearing company presidents and vice presidents of quality asking similar questions. As far as TQM went, they would say, we know what we need to do from a technical point of view, but how can we get our employees to more fully embrace it? How can we get them to be more enthused about it? And although the word engagement wasn't used back then, in retrospect, you could see that that's really what they were talking about. Yes. So I was intrigued by that question, and I looked into it, and I wrote my first book about it back then, and it did well. And I started getting calls from people asking if I could help them get their people more engaged. And this went on even after the TQM movement had given way to re-engineering and lean and Six Sigma and so on, even though the technical domain might have changed a little bit, that same question still abided. We know what we need to do from a technical point of view, but how can I get my people to embrace it? How can I get more people, my people more deeply engaged? So that's what I've been doing for a little bit more than the last 30 years now. Well, we've seen it uh, ourselves as well, and it seems like 
yeah, people are trying to get folks engaged and, and involved and on board. And I've seen folks try to go about it a lot of different ways. And it seems like not all of them work. And uh, we've talked a little bit with you about some of the misconceptions and myths about employee engagement. Tell us about that. Well, there are. A lot of it, I think, uh, a lot of the shortfalls in the results that people get when they try and, and do something about employee engagement, I do think result from some misunderstandings as to what the topic is really all about. One of the main ones is that the word engagement is a pretty common word. Mm-hmm. And usually when, it's, when we hear it, it connotes something about things connecting in a mechanical way or interaction of some sort. So we'll, we'll say that gears in the transmission engage or uh, diplomats who are negotiating a treaty will engage in frank and fruitful dialogue and so on. And those are, those are perfectly good uses of the word, but it's not the one that all of the research that got people so enthused about engagement in the first place was based on. That it's over the last half a dozen years or so, we've begun to see more and more articles to talk about the research which demonstrates a very strong correlation between employee engagement and business results. But the definition used in the research is a much more particular one. It has to do with the extent to which people are more emotionally and psychologically invested in the job. And so where the connection and interaction definition can be ways to create engagement, they aren't engagement in and of itself. And so the trap people fall into or the myth surrounding it is that people might think, well, we brought people together, therefore we have engaged them. So in other words, John, we bring them together, we want them in a room, and they're staring at each other's eyes, and uh, so that means they're engaged? (laughs) Not really, right? Right. Right. And as a matter of fact, that could be very disengaging. Uh, In fact, one of the other myths, I think, is that is where does engagement occur? People think that engagement occurs in the room itself, that we can see it. Well, if two people are sitting across a table and talking, they are engaged. But if the thoughts that are running through their heads while they're talking are, oh, when am I going to get out of here? This person doesn't know what he or she is talking about. Then they're not really engaged in the sense in which we would like. So it is something that's intangible. Uh, I know dealing with intangibles is more uncomfortable than dealing with tangible things. But the fact of the matter is engagement is an intangible, and the sooner we simply accept that, the better off we'll be. So since we don't come with subtitles uh, to really get what's, what's going through our heads, we have to be able to figure out where people are and uh, what really matters to them and, and try to engage ourselves on that level. Is that what you're saying, John? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen to what you just said there, Scott. I think it's important that, that we need to understand what matters to the other person, what moves the other person. So the focus is on the other person. The minute we shift the focus from what's on our to-do list to the other person, we made an enormous stride toward achieving real engagement. And that's a real key. Okay, and in our conversation uh, a few episodes ago that Pam alluded to, Pam and I talked about how engagement is so critical to accelerating Uh, any initiative, especially large transformations. But we also talked about commitment as distinctly different from engagement, very much related and interlocking, but different. Do you see that? I think that's exactly right. They're they're, uh, distinct but related things. I think maybe one way to look at it is 
all of us know what it's like to be fully engaged on the job. We might not have thought about it and put a definition on it, but think about a day on your job when you're working on something that involves just sort of going through some rote repetitive tasks. I mean, we all have those kinds of responsibilities and we know they're important and we do them to the best of our ability. But if that's all you're working on on a given day, the day tends to go pretty slowly. The time passes pretty slowly. And by the end of that day, you're pretty dragged down and and de-energized. Right. But if you think conversely, if you're working on something that really has you jazzed, you look up and all of a sudden it's 6 o'clock and you don't know where the time went. And you go home and and you have your dinner and you get ready for work the next day. and you, You can't wait to get back to the job the next day because you're so jazzed about it. That's real engagement. That's what fosters commitment. When you're working on something that's important to you and meaningful to you, that's where the nexus between engagement and commitment comes in. Exactly. And the real top and bottom line outcomes from true commitment are quite remarkable. It's something that we've seen time and again. Oh, sure, sure. I mean, the research is clear. The studies that I alluded to earlier do show a very clear correlation between engagement levels and business results. So if people are engaged, they're more likely to be more committed, and that correlates strongly with business results. So yeah, that's the only reason any of this matters. I mean, you know, this is sometimes we'll talk about this sort of thing, and people will think, well, that's just the soft stuff, and you're just trying mm-hmm. to be a good guy. So no, this is this matters because it drives the business. The but, soft stuff is the hard stuff. <laughs> In its own way, you know, it it matters. So we're going to take a quick break right now, though. And when we come back, we're going to talk more with John Gasperi about the myths and the realities of employee engagement. Stay with us. You're listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated. We enable successful companies to accelerate to the next level of innovation and growth. And if you like what you're hearing, spread the good word. Go to growthignitersradio.com, select episode 29, and use the share links for Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter at the top right of the page to tell your social media communities all about us. Use hashtag growthigniters. This will help extend our reach to all of the people who can benefit from this series. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Scott and I are talking today with John Gasperi, an expert on employee engagement and a prolific book author, including his most recent book, Otherwise Engaged. John, how can people find out more about you and about your books? Well, the books can be found at Amazon.com, and uh, they could go to my website, which is www.mynamejohngasperi.com. That's J-O-H-N-G as in George, U-A-S as in Sam, P as in Peter, A-R-I.com. And um, you'll find a tab there about books. You'll find a tab there that says Musings, which is my blog where I every day put a shorter takes on this sort of thing that they might find interesting. So uh, the website's probably the best bet. Okay, and of course, we'll have on the page for episode 29, a link to all of that as well. So let's continue our conversation and go a bit deeper on the issue of engagement. 
You have very specific definitions about the intangible. You were talking about that in the first segment, intangible aspects of engagement that impact top and bottom line results. Let's discuss them one at a time, starting with values. All of these definitions that we're, we're going to be talking about here, I'm trying to kind of demystify these topics. One of the problems with intangibles is that it's literally, it's hard to get your hands around them because you can't mm-hmm. touch them. I try to offer just very straightforward definitions that I can think can help ground people in these things. Real quick, you, you try to offer definitions around these intangibles. Why are definitions important? Why bother? Yeah, that's a good question. It's that if, you know, the old expression, if you don't know where you're going anywhere, we'll get you there. So if you've got 10 people in a room, all in theory, trying to go off and help achieve higher levels of engagement, but they have 10 different definitions in mind, they're going to go about it 10 different ways. So it's a way to get some consistency and some focus in the effort. At least everybody has the same sense of where it is that we're trying, at least directionally trying to be going. Well, you know, you make a good point on this. And in fact, we actually did a study a while back. What we found is that there's so much difference of opinion about so many words. And the more that you have that clarity, the more people can operate together, as you say, most effectively. So let's go back, talk to us about values. Yeah, values. Simple definition I offer when it comes to a company's values is what really matters around here. And that can be read even within that same definition in a couple of different ways, but both of which I think uh, are relevant here. One is what really matters around here, as in there's several things that matter, but this one matters the most. So it's the things that are the most important. But another reading of that can be if you say the word really with a slightly different twist to it, you could say what really matters around here, as in they may be saying X, but what really matters is Y. So oh, yeah. It's kind of the not hidden agendas, but we might have all the right words on the posters, but we all know that something else is what really matters around here. Mm. Both of those things are yes. important, and it's worthwhile for people to really stop and think about those. Okay. So we know what really matters. One of the things that people talk a lot about is respect. Uh, You've talked about respect quite a bit. Tell us about that. Yeah, I think that's really the key to the whole thing. Uh, The definition I offer for respect is giving due consideration to the other giving due, D-U-E, consideration to the other. As we said a few minutes ago, if step one in achieving engagement is to make sure you're focused on the other person. So the focus needs to be on the other. Giving consideration to the other. This doesn't mean bend over backwards. It doesn't mean simply you know, accede to whatever demands the other person makes. It simply says, did you stop to consider? Did you stop to think about how what you are saying or doing or not saying or not doing was affecting the other person. I mean, it's a more complex workplace nowadays. We're all connected with everybody else. Anything you do is is bound to affect other people. Did you take the time to consider it? And finally, the word do, D-U-E, at some point you have to stop and make a decision. So you, that's where you just look in the mirror and said, I did stop and think about it. Did I give it sufficient thought? You're going to have to make a judgment and say, yeah, I did. Okay, if you've satisfied those conditions, you have been respectful. 
Well, that makes sense. John, can you give an example or do you have a story that shows how people could actually use the yeah, due I, respect? I, I, I'll give you a, a counter example, if you will, in some, in some ways um, that I can remember um, someone coming into my office one day. This was during a portion of my career where I was an employee as opposed to a consultant coming into my office one day, all flustered. And he showed me an email that he had just gotten from our boss. And all the email said was not what I was looking for. And this guy was all spun up and you could see he was upset and he was going around and asking people what we thought the boss might have meant and considering opinions and then went back and did some rework and so on and so forth. Until I just went and talked to the boss because I had a better working relationship with him than the other guy did. And I just said, you know, you just sent this thing up, not what I was looking for, this six word message back to him. And you've got him going off in seven different directions. You've got him getting other people involved to help him try and read the tea leaves of your message. And our mutual boss says, oh, no, I just, yeah, I was in a hurry, so I didn't have enough time to really put my thoughts down. I said, well, as a result of you not taking an extra 30 seconds, you've now got this guy spun up for a whole afternoon. So what would have been better? What should he have said to have it be due respect? The due respect might have simply been uh, to say, no, this isn't quite what I was looking for. Let's get together later today and talk about this, or tomorrow, or whenever it is. Or maybe not send it at all until he did have time to consider the fact that he might get this guy spun up. It's a simple, homely example, but you start adding those things up over the course of the day, and uh, you can see how they can impact the, the business effectiveness. So lack of respect, among other things, increases uncertainty, which always decreases productivity. Exactly. And, and trust. What about trust? We say trust is really at the root of almost everything that gets done in a company. Yeah, trust, the definition of trust I like to offer is simply confident expectation. Trust is a function of expectations. Uh, if there's somebody that you've never met, you don't know, you don't know anything about him or her, you have nothing to base any judgments on, you have no, no way to have expectations beyond just the expectations you might have around, or is this person a, a reasonably competent member of civil society? So it's a function of, of past experience. Uh, it, it's a function of what you might have heard from other people, that your reputation preceding you. And, and the confidence is simply the matter of degree. If, if I worked with you for years, and I know that every time you say to me, John, I will have that deliverable to you by two o'clock on Tuesday. And every single time you say that it shows up at two o'clock on Tuesday, well, I have a high degree of trust in you. And again, think of how that redounds to the benefit of the business, because that means the next time you say you're going to have something to me by thus and such a time, I can eliminate that from my worry list mm -hmm. because I know you deliver. So it's a predictability and, and again, thing. Yeah. It's, it's, I can predict that you are going to do what you say you will do, right? And in a business setting, to me, that's what trust is. Yes. And I may not trust other things about you, but I can trust that you're going to do what you're going to do. Right, right. I mean, that's right. I mean, it, it, it might, within, within a given context, I can trust that when you say you're going to deliver X, you'll deliver X. Now, whether or not that means I'd want to spend... Uh, you know, uh, uh, go backpacking with you for two weeks in the Andes, that may be a whole Maybe different. not. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I know we have time for one more uh, term, empowerment. You also have views about empowerment, right? 
Yeah, to me, the definition of empowerment is a feeling of safety when exercising judgment on the job. That there are times when we're doing work where it's very straightforward, there are no choices to be made. Um, we don't need to be empowered to do that. We just do A, then B, then C, then D, as I mentioned earlier. But occasionally we'll come up to a, a point where, all right, everything isn't spelled out. I'm now going to have to make a judgment on the assumption that I'm going to give this all of my uh, best effort. I'm, In fact, I'm going to be respectful of the responsibility I have. I'm going to give due consideration to this. If I make a choice, am I going to get second-guessed? Am I going to get cut off at the knees after the fact? How safe do I feel? That's what empowerment is to my way of thinking. And I think what, what's important about all of these things is that all, they're all defined in terms of a feel, it's the feeling of safety is empowerment. Trust is mm -hmm. confident expectation. Um, uh, engagement is the extent to which somebody invests, is emotionally invested. And, and they are intangible things. It's important to simply uh, accept that fact and recognize that fact, and uh, rather than try and dance around it by uh, implying something that it isn't. So it, it sounds like, essentially, the more that we can make some of these intangibles, as concrete as we can, the greater the chances of engaging people, uh, of people feeling engaged, I should say. Yep, because what we're going to do is going to match the reality of the situation. And since these things are intangible, let's not pretend. Let's say to people, yep, this, is, this isn't something that's quite as clearly spelled out in black and white. But for so long as we all have the same sense of what these things are and how we're working toward them, I think we'll all be better off. That sounds great. So we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with writer and speaker John Gasperi about immediately useful ideas for increasing employee engagement in your company. Stay with us. Is it time for you and your company to accelerate to your next level of growth and profitability? If so, Contact us today to find out how we can partner with you and your team to create a highly customized, powerful Growth Igniters Executive Retreat. Client results have included accelerated leadership transition, increased commitment and alignment on strategy, and much more. Go to growthignitersradio.com, click Contact Us at the bottom of the page, and we'll get back to you to discuss options for helping you achieve your most important goals. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, Scott and I have been talking with writer and speaker John Gasperi about employee engagement and how to get past the myths to increase real engagement in your company. John, can you tell us again how people can find out more about you and your books? Well, they can find out about uh, the books at Amazon.com, or alternatively, they can go to my website, uh, which is my name, all one word, JohnGasperi.com. Okay, sounds great. So, let's talk now about immediately actionable advice that you could give CEOs who want to create an environment of true engagement among their employees. And we'll take pieces of advice one at a time. So, what's the first one? 
Okay, well, all of these three pieces of advice are all going to be within the category of ways of thinking about engagement, because that's really what my book is about and where I think most of the progress uh, can be made. So number one is make sure that the definition that you're using when time comes to do something about engagement is the definition that the research used, which is the degree that people are emotionally and psychologically invested in their work and not the more mechanical definition, which has to do with mechanical connection or interaction. The interaction connection might seem as though it's a fruitful way to go, but it'll head you down the wrong path. Okay. So tell us the second piece of advice. The second one is know where to look for engagement, that the locus of engagement is in the heads and the hearts of other people. It's not on the, in the column of action items on your, at, on your project plan and spreadsheet. So the things you do are things that may facilitate engagement, but they aren't engagement itself. Engagement resides in the heads and hearts of other people. So make sure that's where you're looking for it and where you're measuring it. Now, we can't obviously can't look into people's heads and hearts, but what Pam and I have done for many, many years is we look at what people do, and that always is informed by how they feel and what they think. Yeah, sure. You can tell, as individuals, each of us can tell when we're more engaged in work, and we can also see the signs in other people. You can just read it in their enthusiasm levels and in the, in the, in the degree to which they're truly functioning as a high-performing team. Um, it has to do with being functional as opposed to dysfunctional. But again, the engagement itself is, is what's driving the other person as opposed to the what might appear to be the mechanical steps we're taking. But yeah, it's exactly consistent with what you said, Scott. That's great. So what about that third piece of advice? Okay, this might sound like it contradicts everything we've said over the past 30 minutes or so, but engagement is really important. So stop trying to do engagement. And by that, I mean engagement is an outcome. It's the result of having done other things well. So uh, if you try and do engagement directly, you're apt to fall into some of these traps that we've been discussing. Rather than do engagement, pay attention to the degree of respect that you're infusing with other people. That the place where the leverage is for you as an individual is to infuse respect throughout all of your dealings with people all day, every day. And that if you infuse respect at one end, that engagement will be what comes out at the other end. So are you saying then that you should do away with programs for engagement? I'd be really, be really leery about saying we're now going to have an engagement program. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that because we've all, we've all gone through that, the program of the month, those sorts of things. Um, and one of the things that I sometimes say to clients is say, well, I really want to do this. I say, all right, go ahead and do it, but give yourself a budget of zero dollars. And so that means you're actually going to have to spend the time. You're actually going to have to stop and think about how what you're doing is affecting others. You can't just throw money at it and say, we'll have an all-hands meeting with Swedish meatballs and, you know, <laughs> wine and beer, and I've done engagement. That's the cheap and easy way out, and it doesn't work. So it's not a program. It's a way of life. Yeah. In fact, it's, you know, you hear it said about communication sometimes that you're never not communicating. Mm -hmm. Right. I think you can say a similar thing about this, that you're never not affecting people's degree of engagement, whether it's moving the needle in the right direction or the wrong direction is a separate matter. But everything you do is going to have an impact. It's going to go into this uh, stew that ultimately results in the degree of engagement that they have. 
So engagement really is something that is not extra. It is just part of the way that the company functions. John, this has been so helpful. Can you share any final thoughts on the single biggest thing that CEOs and other executives can do to weave employee engagement into the everyday fabric of their company? Yeah, I kind of alluded to it a couple of minutes ago. Really, I'm a big believer that we talked about several uh, intangibles, empowerment, trust, engagement. But I think of all of these, the one over which each of us has complete control all day, every day, is the extent to which we are being respectful to our coworkers. And it doesn't cost anything. Uh, It doesn't require training. It doesn't require slogans. It doesn't require permission, which is important. And and the whole notion of respect is a two-way street. I'm not saying that for people lower down in the hierarchical chain that they get to sit back with their arms crossed and uh, look up at their bosses and say, okay, respect me. It works both ways. Respect is giving due consideration to the other person wherever you sit on the organizational chart. But I think that's the one thing that can have the most leverage in any organization to achieving higher levels of engagement. Focus on infusing respect all day, every day, and you'll see your engagement results go up. Good thoughts. John, thank you so much for being our guest today on Growth Igniters Radio. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I enjoyed it. Okay, and thanks to you out there for listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To check out resources related to today's conversation, share on social media, find out about upcoming episodes, or open a conversation with us, go to growthignitersradio.com and select episode 29. Until next time, this is Pam Harper and Scott Harper wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question to discuss with your team. What are we doing that builds employee engagement in our company? What more could we do? What should we stop doing? Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio are service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses, including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated, are prohibited. All rights reserved.